While it may be cold outside, things are getting toasty warm at Global Voice Broadcasting. Heat up your winter nights with the hottest topics, the hottest celebrities, and today's best music. It's why Global Voice Broadcasting is becoming your 24-7 home for the music and talk you want right now. Discover your favorite shows and music anytime at globalvoicebroadcasting.com. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, all. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am so thrilled to be here to celebrate our 100th episode. So, so exciting. Can you believe it? 100 episodes. What an awesome ride this has been. Much thanks to you all. Thank you for joining me every week. Since I can't jump out of a cake, which is actually one of my dreams, I hope I get to do it someday, maybe when I'm like 80 or 90, it'd be very rad, um, and hand out slices of cake to you all, we have another kind of treat for you all today. Uh, in the studio with me, I have the lovely and talented Rain Parvis of Style by Rain. She's a fabulous, motivational personal stylist, the author of Ultimate Guide to Style from Drab to Fab, and so much more. We've enjoyed having Rain as a guest on a couple of episodes, sharing fashion tips and ways to feel sexy at any shape or size. Today, she's taking the host mic to interview me about my new book and more. Take it away, Rain. I am so excited to be here to celebrate, oh my gosh, a hundred episodes. And your new book. (laughs) I can't stop myself. I love that sound effect. And your new book, Embraceable, Empowering Facts and True Stories About Women's Sexuality. It's a provocative blend of memoir, anthology, and inspiration. Embraceable is a celebration of women's sexual empowerment. Learn how August McLaughlin, creator and host of Girl Boner, found her way out of the sexual repression. She then weaves research and inspiring facts around stories contributed by women who've cultivated sexual empowerment in their own lives. On topics ranging from asexuality, kink, and burlesque, to religion, slut-shaming, and surviving sexual assault. Learn what girls do and don't, learn in sex ed, the truth behind widespread damaging messages, the role body image plays in embracing our sexual selves, and oh, so much more. Wow. That is amazing. And I have to say that I ultimately just loved reading your book, and it was such a surprise. Oh, thank you so much for taking the the time to read it, and uh, I'm really touched that you enjoyed it. I really did. Can we talk about the format? It's so different than your first book in her first book in her shadow it really is well in her shadow is a psych thriller uh so they're very different genres and that's fiction mm-hmm. and this is very much nonfiction. it's all true uh i knew i wanted to share my own story my journey uh through anorexia and the eating disorder and eventually finding sexual empowerment uh for a long time i've wanted to share it in a book um and I think that the unique format's probably why publishers couldn't quite figure it out. And we're like, oh, we love the idea, but we're confused, which is kind of like the story of my life a lot of times. You know, you, <laughs> and you have to just break out of that box and say, okay, if, if this isn't a traditional book, then what is it? And 
what can I do to really accomplish what I hope to? What's the best way? It doesn't have to be the predictable way or the common way. And certainly, I don't think girl boner is very common. So I had to sort of find a way to blend my story with other stories. And I did that because I learned very quickly when I started Girl Boner on my blog and, and then with the show that we learned so much from women's stories. And I know that I can relate to many things in other women's stories and vice versa, but each story has their own like unique gifts mm-hmm. and their own beautiful epiphanies and lessons that I think we can all learn from. And so rather than my original idea was to do this gigantic guide that explained everything there is to know about sexuality and especially women's sexuality. And I realized the most powerful thing was stories. And so I wove in kind of the takeaways from the research throughout so that it's like I wanted it to be very digestible, something people could read quickly or slowly if they want to, but not something that's super heavy and complex, just to sit with these women and to really learn more about themselves in doing so. I found that in reading the book, there was a few women that I related to, and there was also a few women that my friends, mother, other families could relate to as well. So even if you personally don't relate to every woman in that story, there's somebody for you and you can learn and grow from that. Oh, I love hearing that. I hope so. You know, I, I was really important to me to share a broad range of experience and age and uh, ethnic and socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. Um, there are women in their 20s. There are women in their 70s. And I think that that's a really key part because this message that so many women and girls and men learn about women is this story of shame around our sexuality. And you will see in every story uh, these these brave women found their way out of that. And not only did they find their way out, but the rewards are so immense. And that's really the ultimate goal, you know, is to is to get people to have those epiphanies and to think, gosh, what if I really look deeper within myself? What might be possible? What do you think was the most challenging part of completing all of the different, how did you meet all these women? How did you pick the stories? What was it about these women? And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to do a book and include them. What was it? I went about this in a pretty unconventional way as far as anthology go as well. Anthologies, a lot of times, it's just like a collection of stories and that's it. It doesn't have the memoir part. It doesn't necessarily have introductions and facts and all of that. Um, so I kind of made the job difficult for me in some ways, rewarding, but challenging. Job well done. <laughs> job well done. <laughs> Thank you. A plus and challenge. Um, but, and it was certainly worth it, but I, it was more important to me that I have the women who I felt were meant to be in this book. Um, and many of them have appeared on the show. So there are some women who are award-winning authors. There are some who have, I had writing samples from all of them in advance, but some of them, this is their first time being published anywhere. Wow. So there's a whole range of uh, experience as writers. And I also gave them a really broad range of um, flexibility with how many words and and where they could go with their stories. I didn't want to stand in the way of where their stories would go and say, it must be just about this part of your journey. So they each had a general topic. And I did put out some shout outs on social media. And a few people responded to me who I had never met before. Uh, and I really feel one of them, she's so brave, Kendra Tanner, She's in her journey now. She's very open about the fact that she's not, doesn't consider herself, you know, to the place where she can say, I am a sexually empowered woman and all that work is, you know, it's a journey for all of us, but she's much earlier in her journey. And she said that she respond, I think she just felt this kind of instinctual, you know, 
gut feeling that she was supposed to contribute, perhaps. And I'm so glad she did. Uh, she wrote about her eating disorder and uh, religion and Christianity. Mm-hmm. So finding the stories was uh, not t- terribly challenging, but the editing was the hardest part for me because, first of all, I'm a writer. That's primarily, I talk, I read, I write. Um, editing, I have experience editing. I've edited for some magazines and for some um, online publications before, but it's much harder for me than, than writing. And I could sit down and gush about all the things in my life or tell stories and all that. And it's not that writing is easy, but that is the muscle I work the most. So editing their stories in such a way that they all fit within the, the overall narrative of the book uh, and still staying true to their message and helping them shine brighter without feeling like I was taking away from their voice. So it's a very personal thing when people, you know, some of these stories, as you know, are really, really personal. And to have that was such a huge honor to hold. It's like holding a piece of their heart Mm -hmm. and their girl boner at the same time, which, you know, (laughs) it's a fine line between the two. Uh, But taking all that, it was a big responsibility. And then I have two editors one primary editor and then one who kind of like went over it as a proofreader at the end to go through for all the technical, you know, grammar stuff and things that I might have missed. But yeah, editing, definitely the hardest part. Wow. So you mentioned personal experiences and you open up the book with a very personal first time masturbation experience that it was yourself and in your 30s, which... I mean, I was only 21 when I first started masturbating, and I it felt so safe to have you come out and be so vulnerable and tell that story. I can't quite look at you the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it right now. No, I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but it was so brave of you to share that. What was that like for you? Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it, it didn't feel brave necessarily. Um, it felt very it felt like the right thing to do i guess for me i've learned and i think part of this is through my own personal journey and really healing from the eating disorder and all of the underlying issues for decades i struggled with learning to embrace my body and to not shun myself and to not have shame and so in that process i've really learned to first of all it's my personality too i just mm-hmm. Obviously, love to just blurt things out. Um, so I love to share. I don't have shame around. I'm so excited about the message. I would, I just love, I mean, I would tell the mailman, like, hey, did you know I masturbated the first time when I was 30? I'm not going to do that because that'd be slightly inappropriate, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel taboo to me, but I'm very aware of other people's. You know, I love the fact that you shared that story because it's something that we all don't talk about a lot. And I think that any young woman who's 20, 15, like you said, maybe they're in their 30s, have never masturbated, 40s, 50s. And you said earlier, some people have never masturbated and they're in their 80s. So I found it a very safe place to kind of like plant the masturbation seed in some women's lives. And who knows? I'm sure that you're going to help a lot of women get there. Oh, I hope so. I do. I, it's interesting because it seems to me across the board that the majority of women either have shame around masturbation that they have, they are doing currently or they have done in their, in their lives. Uh, they had shame around it as soon as they started doing it. For a lot of women, it's in adolescence. Some start earlier than that. I probably should have started when I was like five or six when I was asking these questions. You know, it's very natural to touch yourself and to explore and have curiosity well, early on. some of the on. women in your book did start early. They did. They did. And I'm so glad that they shared that mm-hmm. because that's okay. There's nothing, there's nothing shameful about that. And 
you know, I remember having questions about my body, which is so natural when I was like five or six years old and my grandmother telling me never touch down there, you'll go to hell. I mean, she said it with, wow. she put the fear of God and, mm-hmm. and the universe in me. And so when you grow up, with that as sort of this innate belief about your body, everything below the ge- the genital line is just, you know, you can't, you know, they're separate in your mind. Like you're, you're you and your sexuality is this dark, scary place. Um, so I do think that it's hopefully uh, does start those conversations, you know, internal dialogue with, with women who can explore their relationship with sexuality, with masturbation, with all of these issues. and Well, and mothers and daughters and friends and maybe teachers who are seeing some of the stories like you were mentioning some, I think it was slut shaming on a playground when some woman was uh, 10 years old on a swing set. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these stories were just so eye-opening for me that I am so grateful to have read this book because if I ever have a daughter in the future, if my clients have a daughter or whatever it is, it's like we'll be able to kind of place ourselves in those situations and be more open to speak about something like this. I hope so. I do. I think it's it's really crucial. It's it's a tough place for educators to be in because there are all these rules. That's why I shared the history of sex ed in America in the, in the book because we have this uh, abstinence only and fear based. You're going to get an STD. Don't get pregnant. Blah blah blah. We don't learn anything about pleasure, um, particularly women's pleasure. No, you said guys get to have all the fun, and then women get maxi pads and tampons. It's true. Yeah, woohoo! Right? No, yay for that. Yeah, no, no applause <laughs> happening there. Yeah, it's really true. And there's this idea that we have like one sex talk and one sex class, which is like one third of one year for one hour of your life. And it's taught in a way, and it's not the educator's fault. I've, I've spoken to sex educators and educators in general who say, I would love to talk about masturbation and encourage kids to understand their bodies and to let them know that girls having wet dreams is normal. It is. Uh, it happens just as often as it does for boys, but I never heard about it, you know? Um, but they will lose their jobs. I mean, there's, there's rules around all these things and it's all regulated. But at the same time, I think, Stories like these might help them recognize some of the shaming that goes on. You know, mm-hmm. the story you mentioned was from uh, Emily Linden, who is yes, the founder of the Unslet Project. And I love her work. She has a documentary that that recently released its touring right now. And she has dedicated her life to stopping that kind of shaming around sexuality. And I think there's still this idea that kids are just not going to think about it. So we won't talk about it. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> Which is, what are they going to do? They're going to go on the internet and they're going to find porn or something worse, mm-hmm. like pedophiles. I mean, it, there's real risk out there. Yeah, wow. Body image is also a, a running theme throughout the book. And you share your own experience with a really severe eating disorder about some stories that you had as a model in Paris and all of that that kind of went through. Do you think that you would have developed anorexia if you'd been more sexually empowered or knew your body better? You know, I... It's hard to know for sure, but I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have had poor body image and and those self-esteem issues throughout my life. Um, And it goes deeper than that, too, because there are obviously other factors that influenced my body image, which is the case for most girls and women and and for boys, too. Uh, For example, my mother, she had really poor body image, but... She learned that from really harmful uh, experiences and messaging that she was taught mm-hmm. about her body and sexuality. So that 
trickles down to the kids. You know, we pick up those messages. So if she had been sexually empowered, then I probably would have been too. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, we can do so much in the home. It, it starts with ourselves. It starts with us providing a, a positive example. But really, the, the motivation for me starting all of my advocacy and starting Girl Boner in general was because I realized in order to heal from that eating disorder, which I very nearly died from, which I shared in the book, uh, and decades of poor body image, I had to embrace my sexuality. And once I realized that, I was sitting in this college class and it was like all the lights in the world went on. I was so, I talked about sex for the first time. I was 21, I believe. And it was absolutely one of the most life-changing experiences for me. I went home and my, my boyfriend at the time was completely freaked out. I couldn't stop talking about it because I, it's like all the decades I'd missed out on, I had to make up for. So I was so fascinated by, why is no one talking about this? Why did I not get to talk about this? Why do we have these negative feelings? And I wanted to get to the root of it. And of course, we broke up very quickly because he <laughs> couldn't handle, <laughs> we were not a good fit, but uh, growing in different directions anyhow. But yeah, I do think that in general, women and girls especially would have such healthier body image and healthier relationships and feel more confident. Women are so much more prone to depression, anxiety, all these issues that are tightly linked to a lack of sexual empowerment. I remember, I can't remember what website it was on, but it was something like 90% 95% of women at least have one negative thought about themselves per day, whether it be about their body, their job, but I feel it all stems from how you feel about yourself. And to me, if there's any way, whether it come from sexual empowerment, knowing yourself, loving your, uh, loving others, loving yourself to nip that in the bud is just any way that we can do that. Do you feel like, is that what you kind of hope this book can do for people or, or what do you want readers to take away from it? I would love for people to, to have that takeaway. In general, it really is the title of the book. I want every reader to feel more embraceable. I really, really do. It's what I fuel myself with all of my work is the idea that somebody might listen to this show or read a story or read something on my blog and think, wow, I actually am more lovable than I realized or realized that they haven't been uh, embracing themselves. That simple awareness goes a really, really long way. In your stories about being a model in Paris and making all this money and did, how, did you ever feel beautiful during all that or did that only come recently? That is such a good question. Um, there were times I felt beautiful as a model, but it was very weird because the very first time I started. So my first photo shoot, I walked into this studio in Minneapolis and everyone around me, it was like Devil Wears Prada. Did you see that? Of course. Anne Hathaway's character? Yes. Right here. <laughs> Except I was the model. So I'm wearing flannels and baggy jeans hiding my body. I th thought I was so atrocious looking. I, I didn't understand, but people had told me, you know, your cheekbones and in the lights with makeup mm -hmm. on stage. And I took it as with camera magic there's, I could have value. That's what I internalized because there's so much respect around, you know, looking conventionally beautiful or what society says is beautiful. And I just remember as a kid, we always say, you know, when you used to play the MASH programs, what do you want to be when you grow up? Model, actress, singer. 
Right? It's really praised. And then you get there and you're like, ugh. <laughs> a lot of us are, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not what everybody, it's a lot of that glam is, is, is pretty superficial and there's so much more to it. But I remember thinking if I could just have one photo of me in a magazine somewhere, I would have this proof, tangible proof that I was beautiful once. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was really thinking, I want proof that I matter. And so I got into one magazine and then it becomes this, oh, I need more. I want to do more. And, and But the weird thing is, is the first photo shoot, when they started actually, the cameras going and the lights, I somehow was able to step out of myself. I think because it was this separate person. I was, I was acting. I wasn't, I always loved acting. And once the cameras came on, I could look into this like black hole of a lens and work it like somebody who looked the way I wished I looked and had confidence like I wished I had. And as soon as it was done, I'm like shriveling up into little mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway's character again. And it, it was amazing to me. So it was empowering in some ways. Uh, but what happened was I ended up, as I share in the, the book, nobody said anything about my weight at first, which I was really shocked by. I was at a healthy weight, I should mention, for an adolescent kid, you know. Uh, but when a photographer told me that I could be in Paris if I lost some some weight – it was like all of those fears I had, these like secret ideas that I'd been thinking, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm actually perfectly fine the way that I am just went away. And I had this fuel and this motivation to really diet, actually. I started dieting and working out, and I thought I was doing it in a healthy and way. And you were getting rewarded for that behavior with more money, more jobs, yeah, a bigger agency, the top in the business. Yep. So yes. why not just keep going until you kill yourself almost? That's exactly what happened. It's so insightful. Um, the checks came more and more as I lost weight. The interest from... And actually, my agent, I went back to see my Minneapolis agent, my first agent last year, which was really a beautiful kind of full circle moment because he'd always been really worried about me. And as I was traveling around the world, I felt really guilty. You know, I started to disappear into this disordered land and I quit modeling. I mean, the first time I quit many times, Uh, but when I was in Paris and I had collapsed and everything, I had almost forgotten until he mentioned it. I was about to go to see Vogue that week. Uh, in Paris, they took a lot more interest in me once I was emaciated. I have pictures from that mm. time that look like a concentration camp victim. One of them they had to make black and white because I was blue. I was cold mm. all the time. I had that fuzzy hair growing on my arms. I had bruises from my my bones on my skin. My feet were bloody from running too much. There were all of these horrible things happening. And the biggest key for me, I didn't know that I had an eating disorder, but I knew that something was wrong with me. And I was always journaling religiously. And I, I had journaled about this, quote, cancer in my soul. And my journals gradually became these like letters of hatred. It was it was utter madness. I was becoming somebody else. And the fact that I did not care about Vogue at that time. I wasn't going on castings. I, I've always been a really ambitious person in a, in a positive way, like having the desire to put passion into something and to feel this sense of purpose. And at that time, I had no purpose. My purpose was self-destruction. I didn't care about my work. And even if I did do the work, I kept thinking, if I move somewhere else, I'll be happy. If I move to New York, then I'll be happy. I'd be happy at first. Then the buzz dies down, mm-hmm. and I'm miserable again because I'm there with myself, someone I have not made peace with. And but- everything becomes – once everything becomes familiar, you're always looking for that next unfamiliarity with 
Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, looking for something new, something new that would, I hoped, somehow magically make me happy, mm-hmm. you know? And the fact that I didn't care about anything, that apathy, it, leaving Paris was not brave at all. It was, I was lucky enough to not die. I had not, in my mind, I had nothing, I was doing nothing. I was a mess. And I may as well go home and get this treatment that these crazy doctors seem to think I need. Wow. Well, we are so happy to still have you here. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm very, very happy to still be here. I got to tell you. Okay. So one more time, say the name of your book and where can we find it? It is called Embraceable, Empowering Facts and True Stories About Women's Sexuality. And right now it's available for Kindle and Nook. So you can find it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. It's going to be available on iTunes as well. And the paperback will be coming out in January. Exciting. I can't wait to actually hold it and mark my favorite spots. You're so sweet. I can't wait till you can do that as well. It's going to be fun. Can we talk about Girl Boner now? Can we please? (laughs) (laughs) I never get sick of talking about Girl Boners. (laughs) Okay. So I know that on your blog and and on your podcast, everything kind of is exploding into new territory. Why don't you tell us all a little bit about the blog, the podcast, What's your favorite part? What's happening? What's going on? Okay, so everyone, this is going to take me three hours. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I could talk about forever, but I'll share some of the highlights. So the blog I started because I knew that I had to do something about sexual empowerment for women for the longest time, but the timing had to be right. And that masturbation moment that you mentioned was really the eye-opening start for me to go, to look at my whole life and say, this is a narrative that is not just my narrative, even though the specifics are different, and I, I have to do something with it. And at the time, I was also starting to write. And so I'd written my first novel, In Her Shadow, which is loosely based on my experience with anorexia. And my agent told me, you have to start a blog. I was like, no, free free writing. No one's going to pay me. It's extra homework. And I Did loved you it. write the book before the blog or the blog before the book? I wrote the blo- uh, book first. Yeah, I wrote the book first. And it was when I sent the final draft to my agent, I had just signed with him. And I said, what can I do to increase my odds of having a successful career? What can I do to help besides while he's pitching it to publishers and whatnot? And he said, start a blog, start social media, blah, blah, blah. And all of those things that I thought I'd hate, I just, I loved. And I started blogging about whatever. First, I thought I had to write about like serial killers and Mm -hmm. stuff because I'd written a thriller. (laughs) So my first post ever is like, female serial killers, look out or something. (laughs) Did you delete it or do you still have it Oh, it's still there. Oh, I love it. it. Yeah, go find it. it. It's probably full of typos too. (laughs) I, I, I hold it. I, I accept that that is part of my journey. Um, but you can see my whole blogging journey. The whole thing is there for the whole world to see. Uh, but I started out, I would then, I thought, well, I'm just going to write about whatever I, the heck I want to write about. So sometimes it was about wellness. Sometimes it was about uh, writing. Sometimes it was about my dog. And I eventually decided that that experience from Sex Ed, which was the first episode of Girl Boner, it's in the book, is you know, not learning anything about women's pleasure, girls' pleasure, and wondering since I was 11 about girl boners. So I decided to trademark the term. I launched it on my blog. And you were 11? (laughs) I didn't do that when I was 11. Uh, When I was 11 was sex ed, and that's when I was wondering. I did eventually learn what a girl boner is through experience, thank God. Uh, And Which you all can read about in Embraceable. Yes, you can, all of it. And so... I had I had the Girl Boner series launch on my blog 
a couple of years ago, uh, three years ago. And in my second year of Girl Boner blogging, I started to get a lot of, um, not a lot, relatively a lot of media interest. So it was interesting. This woman asked me, she's a PR representative, and I was thinking, how can I take my message further? You know, always looking, which I'm still doing, how can I really get this message out? And she said, just jot down your goals for the next year. And I was like, okay, I'm not a list maker. I just like fly around by the seat of my pants. So I just sat down. I was like, sure, I know my goals and blah, blah, blah. And one of the goals I wrote was appear on five radio shows, podcasts with big audiences. So the first four happened within like two months. It was crazy. It was like one of those uh, law of attraction type things where you put something out there. I know it can be hokey, but when you write it down... And then you go, it's like sometimes, so I have a prayer journal and I write down all my prayers for my friends, my family, other people, my goals for the business, for whatever it is. And then sometimes six months later, I'll be like, dang, look at all that stuff that came true. <laughs> it's true. It does Write something. it down, people. Write it down yes. and watch the universe take care of you. You know, it's true. It, I think it really cements something in your mind and and. You never know. I mean, why ask why? Just right. try it. It's not going to hurt. It helps define things. And in my case, the first one, it was crazy. It was like two weeks later, I got an email from somebody I'd met saying, do you want to appear on this uh, radio show with Dr. Jane Greer? She's amazing. It's called Let's, Let's, Let's Talk Sex with Dr. Jane Greer. And I know Dr. Jane. She's lovely. Oh, yes. You appeared on her yes. show. She's wonderful. And I loved appearing on her show so much. It was so much fun. She's a lovely host. And a few interviews later, I had interviewed Dr. Lisa for an article, Lisa Masterson. She has a wonderful show called Health and Heals and had a great time talking about Girl Boner at this studio here at Global Voice. And afterwards, her uh, producer, Will Armstrong, little shout out to Will Armstrong, he called me and said, have you ever thought about having your own show? We think you should have one at Global Voice. And it was like, instantaneous like what have I been waiting for but it was nothing that I had on my radar so the fifth of those five that I had set my mind to was my own I love how you're just in a place of yes and see what happens thank you yeah I think that's a good good message too for people to just just go with your gut and and stay open to what might happen it's when you're doing something unconventional for any creatives out there, which I think we all are creatives, mm -hmm. especially in our day and age, there's a lot of entrepreneurial kind of mindset. But when you're carving your own path, there is no plan that you can just go and grab off the internet. You know, it's actually a journey that you build. After all of this stuff that if you read instructions on how to get to A, B, and C, out of being going to seminar after seminar and listening to your podcast, this podcast, everybody's path is different. So I love how you just say yes and see where your path takes you. And if it feels right to you, keep going and watch the doors open. Absolutely. And you'll hit rocks along the way and roadblocks <laughs> and catastrophes. And that's okay. It's part of it. You know, I've certainly had my fair share of challenges throughout this whole process. A lot of, there's a lot of resistance around sexuality. So when I applied for my trademark, for example, it took me over two years to get it. I was rejected. I was, I mean, it's, it's amazing how much people, but it also fueled me because I thought there's a reason people are so resistant and I need to help change that if I can. Amazing. Okay. A hundred episodes, right? So that must mean 
a lot of guests that you've talked to over the years. Does anybody stand out? Do you have any faves besides myself, of course? (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're a fave. Are you kidding me? Who else would I have do my 100th episode celebration? I'm so happy you're here. Love you. Love you. Um, Yeah, you know, it's hard for me to think of like my absolute favorites. And actually I had thought like I could share a highlight from all of my favorite episodes. And I sat down, I'm like, it's like trying to choose between children probably. You know, I, I just, I have such a special place in my heart for every guest. Uh, the topics are all really interesting. I feel really lucky to be able to explore these topics. Uh, but there are some that really stand out. Uh, one is with, of course, Margaret Cho having, celebrities that I've admired, but I really love having everyday women as well. And one of my goals is to always have a whole variety and to not only have women who have celebrity status. You know, we can learn from everybody and I want people to see themselves in the guests. Uh, Susie Famer Hamilton is another celebrity who was on recently, but I loved that she's using her fame and Margaret Cho too. They're using their platforms for really positive work. Uh, in Susie Favor Hamilton's case, she talks about postpartum depression and bipolar. And her story is just profound and hypersexuality, something that isn't discussed very much. My absolute favorite guest, though, I think is my mom. She was so Adorable. amazing. Oh, she, first of all, you know, my family's from Minnesota. Not a very outspoken sexuality place or community. And my parents are super supportive of whatever makes us happy. And they have been of this, even though it's so different from that kind of stuff that's happening in that community. But my mom, I had no idea that we were going to do an interview. I thought we were visiting the studio. I can just picture your mom right now back in Minnesota when someone asked, oh, so what is your daughter? Oh, she has a a radio (laughs) show called Girl Boner. (laughs) She's so funny. And actually, it's when I first told her that I was going to write about girl boners on my blog, I told her on the phone. I warmed her up. I was like, you know, body image, how everyone should accept their bodies. And I'm going to start talking about, you know, how sexuality is important and how we didn't learn much in school. And she's like, yes, yes, yes. And then I said, and I'm going to call it girl boner. And there was dead silence. Like, (laughs) mom, mom, are you there? And then she kind of nervously left. And that was it. And I'm like, dad subscribes to my blog. (laughs) And so my blog started and I didn't hear anything about it from any relatives, which is normal with my family. I mean, we love each other. We talk, but it's not like they're going to be comfortable calling up and saying, hey, about that sex blog you have. So I went home for Christmas that year. And uh, this is how I knew my mom was a fan. I was helping her set up decorations. And there was a Santa Claus that needed to be set up and he lights up. So you mm-hmm. had to plug him in. And I'm like, mom, I can't figure out how the Santa works. And she goes, oh, puts." she calls me Putsu. Oh, Putsu. With all the things you talk about, you would think you could at least turn Santa on. Ah! I about died. And I was like, oh, yay, mom's a fan. <laughs> so for her to appear on the show, not only appear on the show, but she shared stuff on that episode. Totally unexpected chat that I had never known before, like what she learned in sex ed. And she grew up in India as well wow. as a little bit in the United States. So her experience was really, really fascinating to me. And I'm just so proud of her for sharing what was the episode called? Do you remember? Uh, it was called uh, something about s- samosas and girl boners mom. <laughs> I forgot the first word. There was another. Oh, sex ed, samosas, and girl boners mom. It, and uh, I could share a link in the, in the show notes. But it was so much fun. And uh, she actually calls me girl boner sometimes now. And <laughs> she'll, like, send me these goofy Scandinavian sex jokes. So they're, they're very, very cool about it. Um, 
I'm really grateful. And I also love to give a shout out to uh, one of our guests, India Dupre, was on the show. She's a musician and an actress, and she wrote this amazing screenplay about her experience being kidnapped from her mother and was living in Australia and became wards of the state when her mom took her back from the state. And it's one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. She so bravely shared it. Her mother became a stripper to make money to get and became an iconic stripper. Mm-hmm. Like on, you know, still you can find posters of her and all kinds of stuff. It's such a profound story. And she actually, since that show, has gotten uh, an award, a grant from the Kevin Spacey Foundation. So it's so neat to hear a lot of our guests. I love staying in tune with what they're doing. And that's why I always share links to like their websites. Mm-hmm. And I like to have return guests. And that's why I'm also featuring them in my book, too, is because I feel like we can learn from their entire journeys, including where they are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about – so what are you most proud of or grateful for out of this whole journey so far? Mm, so much. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak freely about these topics that so many people see as taboo, especially we're in a, a world where there are areas where women have absolutely not a single sexual freedom. You know, they, they aren't allowed to have mm-hmm. any sort of um, freedoms at all to, to be themselves or to even have the, the, the lives they want, the careers they want, and to be able to, not too long ago, this show wouldn't have been possible. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for that. I'm super grateful to everybody here at Global Voice Broadcasting. Gabe, who you know, who's in the house. Love Gabe. Gabe is fantastic. He is the one who makes sure that I don't blow up computers when I sit here. Um, and Todd, who also is another, the two of them uh, own the place. And they're just it's like a little family here, like all the other shows everyone should check out because it's a really, really good community. I'm super grateful for that. And I'm grateful for every guest and every listener. I'm so touched when I hear from anybody, you know, social media messages. I got a Facebook message from this woman in some area of Beijing who told me that she can't find any sort of She's not allowed to have any sexual education. Mm. And I don't think of myself as a sex educator, uh, but I do feel like we provide a lot of educational information and we learn so much from these stories. So when I hear that kind of thing, it just, it really fills my heart. So another, before we go into our next uh, topic here, I have to give a shout out to Dr. Megan. Dr. Megan Fleming is such an amazing, I I consider her a guest, but I consider her a partner. Like she's such a beautiful part of the show and she brings her clinical know-how. And I love how she also weaves in her own personal stories and anecdotes. And she's so grounded and her advice I always learn from. And I feel like she brings just this whole other element to the show. So I actually asked her if she would share her favorite highlights from uh, Girl Boner so far. Here's what she had to say. I think it's almost been a year that I've been here sort of as a resident sex expert um, answering your Q&As. And what I've loved most is just getting to know you, August. Um, I just find you an amazing woman who is really uh, pushing barriers to help people explore their sexuality. Um I think that you have interviewed both men and women sort of from all walks of life and all sorts of challenges and hurdles to uh, expressing their sexuality. And you're starting these frank and open conversations that um, I know we all need to be having, as well as helping people work through you know, shame, guilt, body image, and all these other issues that are real, but truly hold them back from owning and knowing the fullest pleasure in their bodies. Um, so it's been an amazing year. And... Uh, 
I can't say enough about the questions that your audience has put forth. Uh, they've been great and I think have stimulated a dialogue that hopefully uh, the answers to those questions reaches a far bigger group of men and women who uh, really can take actionable things away um, into their lives just from listening to these questions. So thank you and please keep them coming in 2016. I can't wait to answer them all. Oh, that was so sweet. I just love her. I wish she was in LA so that she could join us in person all the time. But I follow her on Twitter. She's awesome. Yay. Oh, we should mention that at Megan Fleming, PhD. Love Dr. Megan. So funny, awkward moments over the years because we, you deal with so many things from masturbation to sexual empowerment to all of the wonderful things that you and your guests have talked about. Anything that stands out? So many things. I could tell many stories, but I'll, I'll share a few. Uh, one of them was so funny that I was laughing the entire night after. Um, so we record live and there's very little editing. Like if there's some big, you know, major faux pas or something, uh, we mentioned someone's name that's not supposed to be there, whatever, we can cut that out. But I like to keep it very intimate and natural so that people feel like they're part of the conversation. That's why we don't script things. We don't edit a bunch of clips together and whatnot. Uh, but what happens then is sometimes you get some very hilarious happenings. And one of them, I had this very distinguished guest in the house and she's sitting across from me and she was so high fashion, like looked like one of the women from those New York modeling days who just like walks around in stilettos all day. I mean, she was just everything about her said class and she's very she famous. She Winters and did the Devil Wears product. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she... I wasn't intimidated, but I was feeling very wanting to her to feel like this was a really respectful together show and professional because she appears on HBO and show like she's got big, big media cred. And I wanted her to really, you know, feel girl boner is, is comparable to those kinds of mediums. So <laughs> we were supposed to be playing. I hit play to hit a clip on, uh, from a documentary about sex workers. It was a really respectful documentary. And somehow, I don't know what got lost in translation, but the wrong clip got pulled. I, I may have copied the link wrong. Who knows? But, you know, when you're looking on YouTube for videos, yeah. if you're looking up sex documentary, there's going to be some weird stuff coming up too, uh, which God bless them. It's, that's totally fine to be there. That's not what I was planning to play. So I hit play and she's sitting there looking at me and all of a sudden I hear this like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it got louder and, and there was like this long pause where I thought, I don't remember this part of the trailer. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh crap. And I just, I stopped it and I kind of snapped into my actor mode where uh -huh. you just kind of, you just make the show work. So I just kind of switched gears and said, wrong clip and do dove into the conversation and tried to not make a big deal of it. And later I realized something that I thought was kind of cool. I wasn't embarrassed about the clip being sex. I was, I was wanting her to see the show as, as professional and that we had our act together, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, another time I Isn't had it funny when you are always trying to just have your SHIT together <laughs> and you're like so prepared to do that. And then something always just God has a sense of humor and throws something in there to throw everything off. Oh, it's hysterical. <laughs> you're like, Gosh, darn, I'm not going to try so hard. I'm just going to be me. And that's it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Which is really the moral of the story, right? If you mm -hmm. just kind of let things go, I, and How was her reaction to it? Was she good sport? She was a good sport. And I don't think she would have minded if I told her exactly what was happening, you know, and, but 
she didn't say anything. And I think she just kind of also being a professional just kind of stuck to the program. So it all worked out. And I actually had that edited out. So if anybody can guess which show that was, I will send you like a gift card and some Girl Boner goodies or something. Just (laughs) send it to me on social media. Um, Then another time I had this guest come in and speaking of streaming live, some of the challenges, he wanted to speak about racism in the adult industry. And I was so happy to cover that topic. And we had planned out some talking points. So we had some basic things, some studies we were going to talk about. Oh, and stereotypes. That was the other thing in the adult industry. So I thought it was going to be a pretty serious discussion. And <laughs> so I we started our, our conversation, and it turned out that he was between scenes of a, of a porn film. And he started the conversation. Like, oh, so wait, he was calling in? He called in. Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. He originally was going to come in. And then he ended up calling in. And I found out that that reason he called in was because he was in the middle of shooting. And I kept thinking, like, I don't know. I could tell in his voice. Like, he just sounded like he's recovering from some serious climax action. (laughs) But the funny thing was, is (laughs) the first question I asked him was a general one about stereotypes and racism. And he was like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. And all of a sudden, like, every talking point I had is just, like, out the window. And so I just paused and thought, I'll ask him something else. And we talked about adventures in his life instead. And it mm-hmm. turned out really funny and cool and fun. And then I had that one little clip taken out so that I didn't want him to seem, you know, not prepared because he probably just busy and things got mixed around right. his head, but it was just right. funny. And then lastly, one really funny experience was when my brother was here. He's a great artist, uh, AaronJohnsonArt.com. You can see his beautiful paintings. He was here with Marla, you know, the matchmaker. I know Marla too. She's fantastic. Marla Martinson. And I had talked to my brother about art and I was introducing Marla and he stopped me and he was like, wait a minute. And he shared something. I'll see if we have the clip here. Now the three of us, I have another guest here who's been sitting here. It's so lovely. And Can I have a word from our sponsor? Oh, please. Please, I please. just want to say that this episode of Girl Boner is brought to you by Powder Milk Biscuits. <laughs> I could not stop laughing because I don't know if you recognize that, Rain, but it's from... Prairie Home Companion, Garrison Keillor, this really famous uh-huh. Minnesotan NPR type talk show that's been going on for years. And it was so hilarious because, first of all, it was unexpected completely. But then also, Marla's face was so funny because she was sitting there and she, I don't think she's ever heard about this show or right. these biscuits or whatever. And she was just gave me that kind of like, oh my God, look, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and she was so great about it. I mean, she went right back into the conversation mm. and I think I explained it a little bit and they were great guests together, but it was just really funny. That is so sweet. Okay. So what are your goals with Girl Boner and Embraceable next year, five years, or we can just stop Ooh, another year. visualizing yes. thing. Okay. So we're going to interview Oprah actually. <laughs> Um, I would love to interview Oprah. Can that, I be there for that one? Of course. Who's going to help me dress myself? I can't dress myself without you. You need to tell me what to wear. Uh, I'm looking forward to reaching more people and really keeping the authenticity going. I, It matters a lot to me that we are doing work that's impactful. And I'm so thankful to have dedicated readers and listeners. And I would love to take that up many levels and just really get out there. I love it. Okay, so speaking of goals, I hear that you have some sexy New Year's resolution ideas to share with everybody. Do I ever? Uh, I I, want to hear them. (laughs) I do. First, I'm going to share some of Dr. Megan's ideas because I asked her, you know, every week 
uh, most weeks, we ask an Ask Dr. Megan segment. We have some kind of question. And this question I, is from me. I just thought it might be interesting to hear what she had to say, and then I'll weigh in myself. I think I'd start by saying that we sort of know from research that uh, New Year's resolutions actually often they don't stick. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with the idea that it feels like uh, a deadline. And Gretchen Rubin in her new book, uh, Better Than Before, she talks about the difference between um, a finish line and a milestone. So I think when you're uh, starting to think about what you would like to do in 2016, really just allow yourself to see it as this next part of your journey, knowing that we all sort of learn from where we've been and where we're going. But most importantly, what is our heart's most desire and how are we going to show up for that better than before? Um, and really, I'd have you then step into yourself in this, your own personal version of great life, great sex, because I know what mine is and that's sort of the design of my life journey. But I think we all uniquely have our own uh, versions of that. So I really want you to take the time and play in those thoughts and ideas. And what would it look and feel like? What would you be wearing? Who would you be with? What would you be doing? You know, what are the smells around you? Really fully step into having the, your own personal great life, great sex. Um, and so that's really what I wish for you in 2016 is that you create those relationships you love and the fullest of your sexual uh, potential and pleasure and that you just sort of have a, a mindset of exploring and playing in 2016. Such excellent advice. And I'm with her about the whole you know, not setting yourself up for failure by setting these resolutions that a lot of them are really damaging. They're like, lose a bunch of weight, which is an unhealthy thing that we talk about quite a bit. Or it's run a marathon when you have not ju done jumping jacks since you were 12. So all of that is is pretty negative. So I always think, you know, do something fun, set something that's actually nourishing. And I think at the end of the year, it's a great time to ask ourselves, with strivers eyes, you know, what can we do to live bolder and happier and better? And what are we willing to face or change or challenge or embrace? These questions paired with action can make the humdrum extraordinary, right? Which is pretty darn freaking awesome. If the masses do this, imagine how much better the world would be. So here are some of my ideas with some sexy res resolutions. Um, I hope you'll all consider the sexual goddesses you are. That's the first one. That's something it's mandatory. You have to do no matter what. Uh, but here are some ideas for some sexy goals you could set. The first one is talk about sex. As we're discussing today, it is amazing how many people don't ever talk about sex, even with the person they're having it with, which is pretty, you know, crazy, but understandable considering our culture. So finding ways to communicate more, even if it starts with exploring your own views in like a journal or something very private, uh, experiment with sex toys or other forms of sexual play. There's nothing taboo about any of that. You know, there's some wonderful options. If you go to Good Vibrations, there's actually a link on my website. If you click there, if you buy a sex toy, then Girl Boner actually gets a little kickback. But I don't care where you buy them. Just buy them and explore, enjoy, learn your body. Uh, take steps to embrace your body as it is. That's so important. You know, wear clothes that fit you. Rain has recommended before, you know, wear vibrant colors. Uh, seek your G-spot. You will know what to do when you find it. Uh, explore erotica. Uh, when I wrote that sex story, my masturbation story, I can't tell you, it's such a turn on. So is writing about sex for articles. And I think women especially can really, if you're feeling less sexy or maybe in a humdrum place in your relationship, sit down and really let your imagination flow. Talk about real things that have happened to you, make up some fiction, or read other people's. It's really fantastic. 
Stop telling yourself you're too anything, too old, too fat, too boring, too thin, too vanilla, too kinky, too... I can't tell you, I hear from women on a weekly, sometimes daily basis, sometimes multiple times in a day who tell me that there's something not normal about them and they want to know how to fix it. And usually about 99.9% of the time, it's not about fixing anything. It's about embracing who you already are and that your sexuality is a-okay precisely as it is. Look at your vagina with a handheld mirror. Have you ever looked at your vagina? Have you looked at your other parts, your clitoris, any of your beautiful sexual parts? It's amazing. One of the most popular links that people click on on my site, on my blog, is on a sentence that says, if you don't know where your clitoris is, click here. I'm not kidding. Every t- every day I see more of action there. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> it's an important thing. So check yourself out. There's some beauty that's happening. Uh, I'll just share a couple of more and then you can find more on my blog. Sensualize your bedroom. Uh, manage stress. Really work to make your own life, your own household, an enjoyable place that promotes self-care. Make time for yourself. Give yourself permission to want. I think a lot of women could benefit from that. I think that so often we put other people's needs before our own and really thinking it's okay to have desires and to really embrace them. Uh, and lastly, and most importantly, pursue your passions in your whole life. It is so important. I would love to hear, Rain, do you have any either personal resolutions or some kind of style goals that we could set in the new year? For style goals, I would probably just say wear something that brings you ultimate happiness every single day that makes it feel fab, whether it's your favorite color, maybe a favorite print or a favorite, some people love to wear cats, elephants, whatever it is, something that makes you happy and just make sure you're wearing something you every single day. That is beautiful. I love that advice. I've been wearing my Christmas pants a lot. They're like hot <laughs> pink and green. And they're so fuzzy. And I wear, I just, they make me happy. Uh, love, I mean, Christmas socks, I wear them year round. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You guys, did I tell you she's like the best stylist in the world for so many reasons? Make sure you check out Rain's stuff, uh, stylebyrain.com. And her name is spelled R-A-Y-N-E. You can also follow her on Twitter, Instagram, all those places at stylebyrain. And I just want to mention, I'm finally thawed out right now. Like we were at Star. Starbucks and the rain and I am I was so cold I hope I wasn't like shaking like because it was freezing out it for was LA cold. yeah but I'm feeling more bring now. a sweater or a jacket I know I'm a bad <laughs> girl but thank you for warming up me with You're this welcome. conversation it was so much fun for me Thank you for warming up all of us with your book, Embraceable. So we can get your book at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, correct? Correct. So remember to subscribe to Girl Boner Radio on iTunes and post a rating and a review because reviewing is rad. Okay, can I say it? Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.